It's appropriate that Sister Steiner is addressing us today because many of the people who make devotionals happen each week work for her. She serves as the manager of event management here at BYU-Idaho. She attended Ricks College, majoring in office education. She's worked on campus for almost 33 years, serving as a secretary, an AV supervisor, AV productions manager, and manager of event services. She has served the church in many capacities, including as a primary chorister, a teacher in the primary Relief Society and Sunday School organizations, as activity chair, cub master, scout advancement chair, and as counselor in Relief Society and Young Women's Presidencies. She was recently released as the Young Women's President in her ward. Sister Steiner and her husband John have five sons and four grandchildren. Thank you for that beautiful musical number. Good afternoon, my brothers and sisters. I want you to know what a privilege it is for me to be here with you today. I'm also happy to have my family here with me to lend me support as they've done throughout my life. I love them all very much. I feel very blessed to work here at BYU-Idaho. I have the distinct honor of having my office here in this building and being involved with the production of devotionals every week. I'm constantly aware of what a blessing it is for each of us to have a facility such as this on our campus. In previous years, I was privileged to work with others in planning the design and implementation of the audiovisual aspect of this auditorium. Watching it transform from a large hole in the ground into a world-class broadcast facility and auditorium was the opportunity of a lifetime. Often I accompany speakers when they enter this auditorium for the very first time. And as they stand in awe, I am again reminded what a marvelous facility it is, a facility that was built as a gathering place for you as students. It is a monument to the love, care, and confidence the brethren have for you. And I testify to you that the Spirit of the Lord abides in this building. It is by this Spirit that you may learn, experience, and apply these eternal truths through the messages delivered here. In my role here in assisting speakers, I frequently found myself giving assurances to them not to worry, everything will be just fine. I now find it a little different when I am called upon to speak. However, I have complete confidence that the sound, the lights, the video, and the teleprompter will work to perfection. We have an excellent team of professionals who, along with talented and dedicated students, make all of this possible. We couldn't do this without them. I know of their commitment and diligence, and I publicly thank them for their devotion and hard work. I acknowledge my daily blessings from being a small part of this institution, with the opportunity to work beside people who share values and work ethics and whose first mission is to help build testimonies. My life and the lives of my family members are being blessed because of my time spent here. I have chosen to speak to you today about discipleship, about becoming a true disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. I find myself in complete accord with what was taught by Elder Neal A. Maxwell when he said, There is no greater challenge and no greater source of joy, both proximate joy and ultimate joy, than found in the process of discipleship. This process brings its own joys and reassurances. I hope you realize that becoming a true disciple is not a casual decision. Making the commitment to be a disciple of Christ is a lifelong process, and the pathway is not always easy. As His disciples, we must strive to do what He would have us do 
and we need to serve our fellow men as he would serve them. Many of the teachings we have had throughout our lives focus on what we need to do, such as reading the scriptures, saying our prayers, fulfilling our church assignments. But just as vital as what we do, however, is who we are. Living the gospel helps us become more like Christ. Our Savior has shown us the way. He has set the perfect example for each of us and invites, even commands us to follow Him. As we take upon ourselves His name, we will inevitably become more like Him. We will develop Christ-like attributes. These attributes are a gift from God. We should seek to develop these gifts as we strive to progress in the kingdom of God. Becoming like Him and being one with Him is the very definition of true discipleship. When I was in the first grade, just learning to read and write, I idolized my parents and wanted to be just like my father. It came to me one day that my brother D had my father's name as his middle name. This seemed completely unfair to me. I didn't have a middle name at all. Why did he get to take on the name of my father, but I did not? In my young mind, having my father's name was the way I could become more like my father. So I decided to, do, decided to remedy the situation. I started signing my name, Judy Wayne Lynn. <laughs> this innocent expression of love is worthy of emulation, not perhaps in the same way, but as we grow in our love for our Heavenly Father, we should desire to take upon ourselves His name. We could be identified as a true disciple by the way we live from day to day in a Christ-like way. Have you ever wondered how you might be perceived by others? Would an observance of your everyday behavior and demeanor cause others to discern that you were a disciple of Christ? How may we give evidence of our discipleship in our daily lives and as students here at BYU-Idaho? President Dieter F. Uchtdorf stated, When we have integrity and live consistently by our standards, people notice. When we radiate joy and happiness, they notice even more. Everyone wants to be happy. When we members of the Church radiate the light of the gospel, people can see our happiness and sense the love of God filling and overflowing in our lives. They want to know why. The Savior said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. He further stated, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. When the Savior visited the American continent, he asked his disciples, Therefore, what manner of men ought ye to be? And then answering his own question, he said, Verily I say unto you, even as I am. Christ's life was an example of service. Service is the evidence we may give as his disciples. I love the counsel of King Benjamin, a beloved leader who spent his life serving his people and teaching them the correct path to follow. We remember how he gathered his people together to give them one last message before he bestowed the kingdom to his son Mosiah. His people pitched their tents facing the temple, awaiting the message from their great leader. When more gathered than would fit within the walls of the temple, he caused a tower to be built so that his message could make it to as many people as possible. When even that wasn't sufficient, he had his words written down so that all could be blessed by his counsel. Obviously, he thought his message was of sufficient importance for every person. His inspired message is just as important to all of us today. One of my favorite scriptures was his declaration, 
And behold, I tell you these things that ye may learn wisdom, that ye may learn that when ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. As we truly love our Savior and want to be a disciple, we need to find ways to give service. Such opportunities abound if we search for them. I am a witness that the opportunities for service are right here on this campus. Let me share an experience I had with a young girl I'll call Julie. I hired her to work as a student employee in my department. She was sweet and kind and generous, but I was concerned for her. She was barely out of high school and had very limited experience. She was a little insecure, which caused her to be quite shy and reserved. I had a lot of work I needed her to do, and she needed to be confident enough to give qualified assistance to the faculty and students. I had a training ritual worked out, but it was a pretty steep learning curve. I gave her some training and hoped that she could catch on and become a contributing part of our team. It didn't take long until my marvelous student employees took her under their wing. They helped her gain confidence at work. They worked with her and praised the quality of her work. Not only that, they invited her to join them after work hours. She just blossomed. She became part of their social circle. She was no longer shy or insecure. All of a sudden, she was the mentor and trainer. She was helping those that were new to feel comfortable in their abilities. She had an air of confidence about her, and the people she served trusted her abilities. I remember the thrill I felt the day she came in and announced that she was submitting her mission papers. She served an honorable mission, and as we received letters and postcards from her while she was gone, it was evident that she had developed into a strong missionary. On her return, she became one of our lead students, training and guiding other employees. She has since graduated from BYU-Idaho and is working on her graduate degree. I know you're saying, so what? That story sounds like thousands of students that make their way through BYU-Idaho. But that's what makes it so wonderful. These students were showing their true discipleship through their everyday living. She wasn't befriended because it was a service project. She wasn't somebody's visiting teaching assignment. They treated her with love and kindness because that is what they do. That is who they are. That is who you are. When we say that we are trying to be like Jesus, this is what we mean. A man once asked Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Charity is the pure love of Christ. It includes God's eternal love for all his children. We each need to seek to develop that kind of love. When you are filled with charity, you obey God's commandments, and you do all you can to serve others. As you strive to do righteous works, your love for all people will increase. You will come to feel a sincere concern for the happiness and well-being of other people. You will develop charity as you look for opportunities to share your talents and give of yourself. In a letter to the editor of the Upper Valley Standard Journal dated November 3, 2012, a man named Ron Merchant from Jackson, Mississippi, wrote about an experience he had while passing through the Upper Valley with his wife a few months earlier. His vehicle had broken down in Rexburg, and this was his experience. 
I walked into an Autopots house in Rexburg, Idaho, and while there, a young man gave me a spoof by asking where I was from, <laughs> obviously because of my southern drawl. The young man followed me outside along with his girlfriend, and he explained that he was a diesel mechanic and he would help me install the pot. Being a skeptical person, and especially skeptical of Mormons, I declined the offer. He assured me he would do it at no charge whatsoever, and with that, all the negative flags shot straight upwards. He then explained that he was a 23-year-old student at the nearby Brigham Young University, Idaho. He had recently finished a two-year tour as a missionary for his church. He also said that his dad had taught him to help other people free of charge since that's what religion was all about. With that, I relented. And sure enough, he adamantly refused any money at all. I finally convinced him as a poor college student to take a $20 bill and treat his girlfriend to a Coke. As I rode down the road, I thought about the young man and the integrity of his religion. He truly fits what Christianity is all about. This is a great example of a true disciple of Christ. This young man has been taught correct principles, and now he is applying them in his life. The people you meet may not know the truths of your doctrine, but they can see the fruit of living the gospel in your eyes and in your countenance. Does the light of Christ shine in your eyes? How may you give evidence of your discipleship in your daily lives? You young men have the power of the priesthood, the power to act for God on the earth. You can access that power only through obedience and purity. That power will enable you to bless your family through generations. Young women, you will be the ones to set the example of womanhood and motherhood, Always continue to be virtuous, lovely, praiseworthy, and willing to stand as, wit as witnesses of God at all times. Set your standards high and never let them waver. You will set the tone in your home. Decide now to always make your home a heaven on earth, a refuge from the storms that rage outside in the world. There are countless simple ways to, to demonstrate your discipleship. I have observed many everyday behaviors by the students here on this campus who radiate the light of Christ. You've seen them too. Smiling, greeting each other as you walk across the campus, even through our weather, being neat, clean, and modest in your dress, having a positive attitude, being well-mannered and polite. I seldom open the, my own door as I walk across campus. The young men go out of their way to hold the door open for me. I notice it, and I appreciate it. Being unashamed of beliefs or membership. Being willing to share your testimony of Christ. Avoiding worldly and inappropriate behavior. Being honest and trustworthy. Being helpful to others without compensation. We have so much talent here. And it's a marvel to watch you share your gifts with those around you. Being a good sport and showing your love to others. Accepting church callings and assignments. Taking an interest in those around you and being willing to listen and comfort. And being a sincere friend and accepting others for who they are. I have had hundreds of wonderful student employees over the years, and they've always been a great example to me in their generosity and their willingness to strive toward true discipleship. 
I remember during one snowy, cold Christmas season, a student named Lori came to me asking if I knew of anyone that needed some special attention. She and her home evening group wanted to find a family that they could give service to for Christmas. I didn't know anyone personally, but I told her I knew of a couple of housing units that might have someone in need. She contacted the manager of one of the apartment units and was led to a single mother with a four-year-old daughter who had been ill. They thought she might appreciate some special attention. Her group enthusiastically embraced the idea of creating and delivering the 12 days of Christmas for this small family. I remember the excitement they had as they tried to think of things that would be enjoyable for the daughter or helpful for the mother. She would come to work each day and relay how they did the night before. They tried to be sneaky in their deliveries so they wouldn't get caught. I'm sure you can envision them putting this all together. Now, they didn't know this young mother or the daughter, but their Christmas was much more joyful as they planned and plotted their gifts. They didn't spend a lot of money or do anything extravagant, but they were very thoughtful in making each day a fun experience for the family. As they left for the holidays, they had a feeling of warmth just knowing that they could do this little thing, not thinking that it was that big of a deal. When they returned at the beginning of the new year, they were all saddened to learn that the little girl succumbed to cancer right after Christmas. When the home evening group decided to try to find someone to serve, they had no way of knowing what an impact their small act would mean to this little girl or to her mother. But in reality, we never know what an impact our actions will have on someone else's life. Each of us has an important role to play in the grand design of our Heavenly Father. We are His hands here on earth, the way that the lives of His beloved children can be blessed and uplifted. Each individual act of service shows our discipleship. I want each of you to think back over your life and remember the people who have taken the time to serve you. Think of your parents, your grandparents, bishops, home teachers, school teachers, coaches, young women and priesthood leaders, friends, siblings, and many others. Why did they all give of their time and talents to help you? Do they even realize the impact they made in your life? Have you stopped to thank them for their influence? Do you realize the impact you have on those around you? We are all part of a great tapestry that only God can see. As we make a stitch each day, it becomes part of His final product. We can be making beautiful progress, or maybe we're making a mistake that needs to be unpicked. But the truth is that we each have a role in that grand design. In Doctrine and Covenants 64:33, we read, Wherefore, be not weary in well-doing, for ye are laying the foundation of a great work, and out of small things proceedeth that which is great. Always be mindful that the Lord has great plans for each of you. He wants you to be truly happy and has given you many guides along the way. You are very blessed to have a living prophet who gives you clear direction when the world wants to lead you astray. Keep your hand on the iron rod and your eyes focused on the ultimate prize. I learned an important lesson about service after the birth of my second son, Derek. I had just come home from the hospital, and the Relief Society called to tell me that they would be bringing in dinner for my family. That was a nice thing to do, and I was appreciative of their thoughtfulness. That evening, the doorbell rang, and I was very surprised when I opened the door. There was my visiting teacher, Paula Sonderegger, with soup, bread, and homemade donuts. Now, it isn't unusual for a visiting teacher to bring dinner, but Paula's family had been going through a very hard time. Her husband had recently been ill, yet here she was with dinner for my family. 
I responded to her that she shouldn't have done this for me when her need was much more than mine. Her response has stayed with me all these years and has been a great lesson in my life. She said that it was good for her family to reach out and serve others during their challenging time. They could forget their own worries for a little bit as they concentrated on others. Her husband, Farron, even made the donuts for us. I gratefully accepted their gift of dinner, which was wonderful. But even more so, I gratefully accepted the lesson on service. Over the years, I have remembered this many times when it felt like I had too much on my plate to take the time to give service. But giving when it is a sacrifice is often the time that it means the most. I know that as students, you are all very busy with classes, work, church callings, dating, families, and homework. You have very hectic lives. Sometimes you might be tempted to think that you should wait and give service when things aren't quite so complicated. After you graduate, you'll have much more time. Or when you get married, you'll have time to do your visiting or home teaching. When you're finished with this online course, you'll have more time in the evenings to volunteer to clean the BYU-Idaho Center. During your off-track, you'll have more time to go to the temple. Do you really believe that giving of yourself should wait until it is easy? Where is the sacrifice in that? By giving of yourself when you are busy, you will be blessed. I know that it is challenging, but we need to be strong and have a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God will be with thee whithersoever thou goest. But look around you. You're probably sitting next to the elders quorum president of your ward, or maybe the Relief Society president, or your Sunday school teacher, or the girl that goes and does baptisms for the dead every Wednesday morning. You likely have come with your ward on Tuesday evening to help clean this very auditorium. Your husband may be the very busy executive secretary for the bishop, or maybe a counselor in the young single adult ward. Your wife helps babysit so your friends can attend the temple. It might have been your ward that did the service project at the nature park. Were you the one that signed up for the Adopt-A-Grandparent program? I'm pretty sure I saw you taking cookies to your home evening brothers last week. And when the disciples had done this, Jesus said unto them, Blessed are ye for this thing which ye have done, for this is fulfilling my commandments, and this doth witness unto the Father, that ye are willing to do that which I have commanded you. President Spencer W. Kimball stated, Let us hold fast to the iron rod. The Savior urged us to put our hand to the plow without looking back. In that spirit, we are being asked to have humility and a deep and abiding faith in the Lord and to move forward, trusting in Him, refusing to be diverted from our course either by the ways of the world or the praise of the world. I see that quality of readiness and devotion in our people today. There is so much yet to be done. Let us then move forward. Let us continue the journey with lengthened stride. The Lord will lead us along, and He will be in our midst and not forsake us." End quote. So, I ask each of you to join together in our commitment to continue to love the gospel and grow in our quest to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. Let us continue to create a spirit among us that identifies each of us as true disciples. As we do, we have His promise that I will go before your face, I will be on your right hand and on your left, and my spirit shall be in your hearts, and mine angels round about you to bear you up. 
As we remain close to our Savior and our fellow men, being a warm and cheerful person, full of love, carrying the Spirit of the Lord with us in our everyday pursuits, we may be discerned as His disciples by the radiance of our countenances. Such radiance comes as a natural fruit of living the gospel and is an inevitable result of our discipleship. And thus, may the world know that we are His disciples. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.